Good morning, everyone. There's been a great sense of fulfillment and joy and blessing uh, in the last eight years as I, me and my family walked along with you, alongside you, and serving the Lord through this church has been very, uh, very humbling, having seen the great working of the Lord in the life of the church as a whole. So uh, I, I give the glory to God. I give praises to Him. We know that when we commit ourselves into the service of the Lord, we immediately recognize Him as the head of the church. And we immediately have the sense of His presence. And in that way, we will not be doing the ministry by our own selves and through our own abilities and through our own skills. So together with my family, my wife and my son, we give God the glory and we look forward to uh, the years ahead being uh, the, the community life pastor. The truth is I really don't know how to start, but uh, the, what's amazing about the Lord is that through his wisdom, we were able to see that we have already been there doing the ministry. So it should be a smooth transition. Even then, we need to trust the Lord. For a smooth transition, it will be more of people work. It will be more of uh, going out, uh, connecting with people, plugging in, and all the rest. Uh, when I was going down from my office to, to the library, actually I was already uh, at the library when I saw Isaiah and uh, E doing some stuff, uh, maybe arranging some stuff inside their luggage. Uh, I told these two little kids, oh, beautiful bag. And you know what? E uh, answered me back and she said, no, it's a luggage. <laughs> it's not a bag, it's a luggage. Uh, that was a blessing to me because I was trying to figure how and what in this world could I give as an illustration or way of introducing the message today. There are times that the Lord uh, wants us to realize that or wants to teach us many good things that would benefit us in our growth and in our walk with the Lord in a deeper sense. Sometimes he wants us to ask for apology. I ask, I, I said to E, I'm sorry, I thought it's a bag, it's a luggage, you're right. There are times that the Lord wants us to humble ourselves, even to little kids like this, and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And sometimes the Lord wants us to, to forgive and to release forgiveness. Uh, I would relate that experience just in a few minutes ago into our message today, but uh, I'd like to apologize. I have to revive my computer. I don't know why it uh, turned black. Maybe I have to, okay. <laughs> this is our message today. One of the most frequently quoted verses by many people is found 
in this passage, particularly the first part of verse 1, which says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. This is used whenever someone is pointing out the sins or faults of another. We are given the impression uh, that we are not to judge quickly. That is the impression when people uh, say these words or quote these verses or this verse. That's why we have some uh, sayings like, do not judge the book by its cover or do not judge me and so on and so forth. The question is, is that what Jesus means when he uttered these words? Does this verse prohibit anyone from making uh, moral judgment about the right or wrong in others? If we see something goes wrong, can we never point it out? That's the question. Because people will say, you don't have the authority to judge me. <laughs> or you are not in the position to judge, di judge these things or make a judgment. So there you go. We are faced with this big question. Are we in the position to judge? Or say it in a simple, in simple uh, words, to judge or not to judge? This is a big question that we need to answer. But we, we need to examine the very words of Jesus in this passage in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. To come up with a proper answer. Let me read to you our scripture passage. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You, hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Let us pray. Our great God and heavenly Father, these are your words. Let us understand this through the aid of the Holy Spirit. May you grant us your wisdom. May you grant your thought to us, your word, so that we may be able, we might be able to grasp that which is really beneficial for our spiritual growth. And so that we might be able to live our life in a manner that pleases you. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus said, do not judge. These words of Jesus are often used to keep someone from making all manners of judgment or judging. Judging is done in various forms, various ways, and in different situations. 
One common situation where judging is done is when someone criticizes another. That means when someone is pointing out a fault in someone else. Many times, criticisms are unfavorable and at times they are unsolicited. Even if it's constructive in some sense, criticism is somewhat hostile. So, the, the person who is at the receiving end would defensively quote this verse and say, Oops, don't judge me. Another situation where judgment is done is when someone commits an offense in the church or in any given community or maybe in a home. That person would be judged and many will question his or her spiritual or moral condition. People would uh, fix an eye on that person immediately and, and think so many uh, deadly thoughts about that person. Maybe that person is not morally upright. Maybe that person, not maybe, sometimes we give conclusion and say in our minds and in our hearts, that person really is a sinner. He's not living his life according to the wisdom of Jesus. We have those thoughts. And so these words of Jesus, do not judge, will be used in defense of their own selves. Here is yet another example. In an attempt to expose a heresy or false teaching, church leaders exercise their God-given roles to protect the flock. And most appropriately, they have to use proper judgment. And they have to speak out. However, in many, insta <clears throat> many instances, the words of Jesus in this passage, particularly verses 1 and 2, are used to say that no one is allowed to speak out against those who teach in the church, even when they are teaching the wrong thing. Now, is it in this sense, is it in this uh, thought that Jesus said, do not judge? Are we going to remain silent when we see people bringing false teachings and therefore causing trouble in the church? Aren't we going to react at immorality? Aren't we going to react to unjust practices and sin? What do we mean when we hear or say the word judge? Judge or judging has mainly two meanings in the original language, which is Greek. First, <clears throat> it can mean discern. Second, it can mean condemning or condemnation. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Discerning or discernment means weighing or seeking to know the truth about something. Condemnation or condemning is passing a sentence or passing a verdict on someone. Now, we need to understand these thoughts in the light of the whole section. We have read the whole section uh, just to be able to understand what is being spoken of here. As Jesus spoke in those words, and uh, he spoke, he, he said these words when he was teaching his disciples on those people who were following him. And this is uh, one of the last parts of, of the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you very much, Benson. Thank you. So we need to understand in the light of the whole section, which is the immediate context.
Now, in the sense, when Jesus said, do not judge, he denounces the thoughtless, unloving, and unmerciful judgment against another. The context makes it clear that the thing Jesus denounces here is the attitude of the heart. The attitude of someone who looks unfavorably on the character and actions of other people. Which leads to the pronouncing of rash, unjust, and unlovely judgments upon others. In other words, Jesus denounces the condemning spirit within. He is zeroing in on the spirit. He, his intention is to expose the motive. He wanted to expose the attitude and the spirit from which the judging springs up. That is Jesus Christ. In his sovereignty, he wanted to bring this into open so that people would understand what he is denouncing, what he is condemning in this teaching about judging. And then he continued to, to say, or you too will be judged. And then in verse 2, we read, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is a proverbial maxim. It is uh, a familiar saying that Jesus used by, in, in his teachings. And this has become a great principle that works justly in his own kingdom. This was how and this is how he administrates his kingdom. This is him. When he said, uh, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. He was speaking about himself. You will be judged. He was making it clear that the final judge is him. He alone. The implication is not that we should never judge. He never said that. But when we judge, remember that we shall be judged by the same standards we use. So we see the same principle being applied, although quite differently in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6, beginning from verse 36 to verse 38. This is what he said. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, the thought that when you condemn someone, you will be condemned. When you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. When you do not give, you... You will, be, you, will not be for, you will not be given anything. Something like that. Or, if you judge, you will be judged. This is something that we would not want applied to ourselves. That is why, in this sense, Jesus is warning us. It could be a different situation. And difficult situation. 
People sometimes are quick to judge without showing mercy. That is the point of Jesus here. Without love. But they don't want this treatment to be done against them. It is in this sense that Jesus warns his disciples. You will be put in a difficult situation when you do this. Because you will never want other people to treat you the manner you treat them. In a negative sense. Our unkind judgments of others will be returned to us. That is the maxim. That is the principle of Jesus. God himself, who sees the motive of the heart, will reprimand each of his children when uh, they face or we face him at his judgment. Uh, if we will try to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, this is what we see. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this body, in this earthly body. And in another passage, we read this. So, why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Speaking of believers, referring to all these children. He said this, For the scripture says, As surely as I live, says the Lord, and he lives forever, right? He lives forever. Every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. And verse 12 is very, very remarkable. We need to remember this. Each of us will give a personal account to God. So whatever we have uttered out of our condemning spirit or judging spirit, God will turn that back to us when we face him in his judgment seat. And he will say, you did this to your brother. You know what? Oh, well, I, we do not know what God would do. What Jesus, the judge, will do. But the, the, the word is very clear. That we are going to give an account. So, let us examine ourselves. It, it is becoming clear now that Jesus does not rule out all forms of judging. Because... Uh, many times we, we are called to weigh, we are called to evaluate, we are called to uh, sincerely seek about the truth in others. We are called to, to judge whether uh, the thing that has been done is right or wrong. So Jesus here is not ruling out all kinds of judgment. But Jesus reminds us that the examination of self is always on the top. Examination of self is always number one. This is being implied in the following verses in our passage today. He said, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention, no attention to the plank in your own eye? This is a gentle yet very strong rebuke to his children, to his disciples, to his listeners. How can you say to your brother, you see, he called them brother. He used the word brother. Let me take the speck out of your eye. It is being implied that there is a relationship between two people, and yet someone wants to clean the eye of the other without taking out the plank from his own eye. Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. There is a problem here in the attitude of those who judge the small fault or the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye. 
small fault, just a particle, the smallest particle of dust. That is what we usually see upon others. Even when we put all the blames on that person, what we see according to Jesus is just a small part of that, the outer part of that. Now, let me tell you, Jesus said, your vision has been blocked because you have a log in your eye. So what you are going to do, what I'm, gonna, uh, what I'm going to do is to first examine and remove that log, that plank, <laughs> that big wood from my eye so that I would see clearly. Now, this attitude of trying to correct someone without examining oneself, uh, Jesus calls that hypocrisy. It is the attitude, it is the action itself. Uh, when Jesus used the word hypocrisy, you hypocrites, he was not trying to insult someone in his audience, but he was trying to emphasize that this kind of attitude, you see, this kind of attitude, we sometimes find it easy to magnify the fault of others and excuse ourselves. That kind of attitude is hypocrisy according to Jesus. The problem is not in our inability to see ourselves, but our unwillingness to see and judge ourselves. It's quite difficult. We go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I have done. Uh, and the Lord says, yes, but there's more. <laughs> we realize that. We, we come to realize that as we go to the Lord in prayer and in our devotion, and when the Lord wants us to to continue to allow Him to search us. We need to allow God to search us because when it is through our own strength and ability, we want to cover some. And Jesus said, no. You have to be open to me. You have to open your heart to me. And in that sense, we are allowing the Lord to bring everything into open. And He wants us to say, Lord, I'm sorry. And then we will be uh, given the privilege of going into our brother and act in mercy, act in grace, act in love. In this sense, Jesus is telling his people, you are not willing to see, judge, and discern yourself because the sin that you hate in your brother's life is the same sin that you see in you. And it's even bigger. So for Jesus, that is hypocrisy. He opposes the idea of using our powers of discerning to others only. He opposes the idea that we only apply that power to discern to others and not to ourselves as well. So in effect, Jesus advises us to remove the plank from our own eyes so we could see clearly. That's the point. That's the purpose. That is to remove anything that plucks our vision and so that we can help our brother be what? Restored, not to create an enemy. When we point out a fault in the life of a brother, our purpose should be to see clearly where God is at work and could work in your life and in his life. So there should be restoration, there should be healing, and there should be reconciliation. That is the purpose. So, in the sense, Jesus was helping. Actually, in his preachings, he was uh, 
aiming to open the understanding of His people so that they will grow in His wisdom. This is wisdom for the church. This is wisdom for myself. This is wisdom for us. And that is Jesus Christ teaching us these things. He wants us to be restored. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to become whole again. And that is the ultimate purpose of taking out the speck of sawdust from the brother's eye. That is to help him to be reconciled first to God and to others. Not to make him an enemy. Not to create a division. And not to worsen a severed relationship. But restoration and healing. But before we do that, we first need to take the log from our own eye. So we could see clearly the power of God at work in your life and in the, your brother's life, in your sister's life. And we could see clearly uh, how or where you can trust the Lord as far as the life of the brother or sister is concerned. When you have removed the lag, when we have removed the lag, uh, we will realize that when we go to a brother or sister, there must be, there should be no need of mentioning the sins or the fault and just say, may the Lord grant you his wisdom and grant us his help so that we will live continually in harmony and peace and love. Amen? Amen. That is the, the ultimate purpose of this. We can help a brother realize his mistake without accusing him. The thing among human beings, even believers, even me, myself, can be a victim of this, is that when our motive in pointing out the sin or fault in a brother is to let him know that he is being accused. Even you, without letting him realize, but you know that the Lord will bring that into your heart, into your understanding. Oh, you are accusing your brother. That's a no-no. When we first dealt with sin in our own lives, then we can turn to our brothers, I said, in the spirit of love, mercy, and grace. Now, Jesus gives one final warning by using two images. What are these images? In uh, verse 6, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. We can see some precious gifts being given to possible recipients. But in, in, in this verse, those possible recipients are unwilling. Unwilling. Who are the dogs? Who are the pigs in the writings and in the teachings of the Bible? They were those who opposed the gospel. They were those who do not appreciate what God was doing. There were those who always go against the will of God and of Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us this warning. And both of these dogs and pigs are being offered a gift for the dogs, what is sacred, and to pigs, the pearls. Both the, the what is sacred... We don't know what was in the mind of, of Jesus Christ here, but he was referring to some instances or some instance in the ancient times where uh, the priest during the sacrifices where, uh, would get one part or a portion of the meat that has been placed on the uh, altar of sacrifice and give them to the dogs. The dogs have the option to eat or not to eat the meat. Sometimes 
And most often, the dogs will fight back. They will go wild. They will attack you. They will attack even their owners. They will attack even the one who had given them meat. In that sense, Jesus used this illustration to say, there will be some people who will be unwilling. Like, we are, we are not being told that those who are unwilling in our congregation today are called pigs and dogs. This is Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he alone has the prerogative to use this because he is wise. But you see, those pigs, some, some farmers in the ancient times would uh, drive away or uh, scare some uh, wild boars in their fields. Uh, so they, they pretended to give or to feed the pigs, but they used pearls that looks like corns or some kinds of beans. And the, the, the wild boars will, will go and uh, uh, thinking that they are food for them, they would feed themselves on them. And when they begin to bite, they cannot bite them. And realizing that these wild boars were, were uh, some kind of outwitted by those ones who scattered those pearls, they attack them. They trample them under their feet and they attack them. And so Jesus used these illustrations. Jesus said, do not give and do not throw. There is an indication that his disciples need to be very watchful or pay close attention to what they are going to offer to others. What can we offer to others as Christians, as mature Christians, believers, students of the word? What can we offer to others, even to the brothers and sisters in the church? We can offer them words of wisdom, counsel, words of encouragement. Whenever someone... uh, is at fault or doing something that is not or that is contrary to the will and wisdom of God, uh, we are called to share some words of wisdom. These are the things, precious things that we have that the Lord has given us that we can share and we can offer to others. The context tells us that anyone may offer to others something but only that which is appropriate to their situations and needs in any given circumstance. So we have to weigh, we have to discern, we have to judge. What can we give to someone who is grieving over the passing away of a loved one? Let us decide. Let us ask the Lord's wisdom. Lord, what can I offer? Sometimes the Lord will tell you, just go uh, sit beside the person and just wrap your arms around that person. Uh, that's wise wisdom. That's wise counsel from the Lord. And if that's the only thing that you can do, do it. Otherwise, the person that you are giving something else uh, that is inappropriate in that situation is not ready to hear what you are going to say. And the, the precious thing that, you, that we give or share will uh, fall into deaf ears. So before someone can help another person, he needs to consider where the others are. Where are they in their walk with the Lord? What are they going through? And discern, judge whether they are ready to listen and receive the gifts being offered to them. Otherwise, the gifts or counsels or gifts of encouragement may fall on deaf ears. So we see here that there is a need for us to use proper judgment. 
This is the sense of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Use proper judgment. I am not ruling out, Jesus said. Jesus is indicating in this passage. I am not ruling out judgments, but use proper judgment. Discern by the help of the Holy Spirit. Someone has commented, and I quote, To be truly helpful to another is to provide him or her with something that they are ready or he or she is ready to hear and understand in the circumstances in which they currently find themselves. The wisdom you may have, uh, the wisdom you have may truly be wonderful, but if they don't yet have ears to hear, it will be useless. It will be useless. In his little book, uh, Illustrations of Bible Truth, H.A. Ironside pointed out the folly of judging others. Let's listen to this. H.A. Ironside related an incident in the life of a man called Bishop Potter. Bishop Potter was sailing for Europe on one of the great transatlantic ocean liner. When he went on board, he found that another passenger was to share the cabin with him on the second berth. The second berth. So uh, someone has to come in to the boat, come up the boat, the ship, and share the cabin with him. So after going to see the accommodations, he came up to the purser's desk and inquired if he could leave his valuables, like his uh, gold watch, and other valuables in the ship's safe. He explained that ordinarily, he never availed himself of that privilege, but he had been uh, to his cabin and had met the man who was to occupy the other berth. Judging from his appearance, judging from the appearance of the other man, he was afraid that he might not be a very trustworthy person, or in the sense, in other words, he was afraid to lose all his valuables. Maybe in his mind, because of the appearance of the other guy, he was afraid that the, the other guy would steal everything that he had in that uh, cabin. The purser accepted the responsibility for the valuables and remarked. He said, uh, it's all right, Bishop. Uh, I'll be very glad to take care of them for you. The other man has been up here and left his for the same reason. The other man also doubted Bishop. That's judging without mercy, judging without wisdom, judging without the aid of the Lord. Jesus allows the believers to judge not thoughtlessly and not without mercy. We were given the ability to discern, to weigh, to seek to know the truth about something and about uh, the other person. We are not to accuse. Instead, we must aim for restoration, healing of others, even ourselves. But first, we see and judge ourselves under the power of the Lord and deal with sin and faults in our own lives so that we will be able to see clearly the power of God working in us in you and in others. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for teaching us. Thank you for your wisdom. 
we thank you that we have Jesus Christ the head of the church he has been there to teach us how to live our life worthy of your calling worthy of the name that you have given us and become fitted into your kingdom thank you Lord for this privilege of hearing from you we just want to give you praise we give you honor we thank you in Jesus name Amen